everybody, this is Daryl with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Now, some features are not available in all states, but that's okay. In the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off of their MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, everyday True Car users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save your time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now... Let the buzz begin! Hello, Nick fans! Welcome to the Nick After Show here on After Buzz TV. We're talking about Season 1, Episode 4. Where's the dignity? Where is it? I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me as always, Marissa Serafini is here. Hello, everyone. Oriana Leo is here. Hello, And we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Chris Sullivan, who plays Thomas Cleary on the show. Welcome! Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming down to the studio, man. This is fantastic. My pleasure. So, another great episode of the show, and I'm really glad... You've been one of those characters that just kind of drew us in immediately in the pilot, just because, like, you're so charming. You're so uh, charming, but you're getting away with such terrible things. It's like, yeah. you and Jeremy, like, yeah. like we just love watching you get away with things. Yeah. But we got to hit, like, a deeper core of humanity that I think was very important mm-hmm. uh, as we continue to watch this series evolve and unfold we need to have a reason to hold on to you and this relationship that you have with sister harriet i just yeah. think is awesome yeah i mean when you got this script were you just were you thrilled yeah. the, the the character that uh begler and, and amiel the, the two the two uh, main writers uh gave gave me is is pretty pretty awesome i mean from episode one it was I knew it was going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting journey. I started out thinking, "Oh, this guy's just going to be a pretty straight bad guy," but mm-hmm. they managed to round him out pretty nicely. Yeah, I feel like everyone on this show has a nice amount of depth to them, yeah. and I think it's one of the reasons why. Like you worry when you get such a great pilot that you know the next few episodes are just going to be kind of like treading water, and mm-hmm. I feel like attacking the character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, with such readiness and so quickly is one of the reasons why it is so gripping week after week. Yeah, you know, it, it, the time period, 1900 New York City, you know, mm-hmm. p- people are lucky to live to 40, so it's kind of a, it's a dangerous, um, threatening place to live. And, and what you end up with these characters is nobody nobody is all good and nobody is all evil. Mm-hmm. And so as, we, as the episodes go on, we kind of get to see the light in some people and yeah. the dark in others. Now, I imagine there are a lot of listeners or viewers right now who are very confused or frightened 
because you're speaking with an American accent, <laughs> and your 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 Irish uh, accent is just so beautiful. If 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 I am pulling it off well, that is, that is probably uh, the biggest. I would compliment. say you are. I would say yeah. you have an impeccable Irish accent. Well, and I was you. dying to ask. Can you share a little bit about how you studied up and mastered it? You know. Being looking the way I look and and being the size that I am and being named Chris Sullivan, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those accents that early <laughs> on it was like it's probably an accent that I should figure out because yeah. I'm, I, I, it's it's bound to come around. Um, I first did it uh, uh, in a one act festival in college, mm-hmm. and then it's popped up several other uh, places. Um, there was another I did a a play uh, in college. Um, by a, an author named Marina Carr, who's another mm-hmm. Irish playwright, and so the, the Irish accent's just kind of always been um, there. And my my grandparents are from Cork, um, or great grandparents from County Cork, from County Cork. Hell so yeah. uh, so I've got I've got a little bit of it in the blood. Wonderful, yeah. All right, so uh, let's jump in at the at the top of this episode. We get this great scene uh, with you at the dartboard, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I love watching, uh, and I, you guys chime in as well. I love watching uh, Cleary hold court in yeah. these bars. Yeah. Uh, we got to see when he was recounting the fight. Mm-hmm. I think it was last episode, yeah. and and once again. Um, only to see him get called out by this kid, mm-hmm. and I assumed that you were he was on the case of Sister Harriet, and mm-hmm. you were going to stumble upon her right. uh, performing another operation. But instead, there's this like weird, creepy underground rat stomping <laughs> ring. Yeah. Um, did they tell you anything about like the factual basis for that? Uh, rat baiting was was an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it uh, historically was done. With dogs, hmm. and they would bet mm-hmm. on how many rats the, the, the dog kill could, before could kill before the rats yeah. overtake oh. the dog. Um, but when there's no dog, a human will do just mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> Entertaining is what it is, yeah. I guess, for the people that are watching. Yeah, entertaining and perverse. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, do you think it's just about the money for him with that, or is he having a good time? Well, like I said, I, I, I think he's definitely having a, a good time, but yeah. also, you know, the 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 time period in the city that they live in, you have to do anything you can to to survive, and money money certainly helps. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we kind of see his uh, his core get shaken this episode. I mean, we have this first encounter with Sister Harriet where she's like, okay, enough with the comments. You've been needling me. What's going on here? You know, I'm going to have your badge taken away. Like, there's no way that you can treat me like this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm in control here. <laughs> right. Um, what's it been like working uh, working with Sister Harry and developing that relationship? Kara Kara Seymour is is a fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. She's incredible, and she's an incredible person to work with. Um, we, uh, as as a testament to the amazing creativity and and organization of our of our production crew, we received a binder about this thick with all ten of the scripts at the top. Oh yeah, Jeremy was telling about, us about three that. weeks before we started shooting. Mm-hmm. I called up Kara, and we got together a handful of times, and uh, and went, walked through an entire season's worth of scenes together. Wow! And just talked about what we wanted to do, how we wanted to develop the relationship over the season, um, and just rehearsed, just just kind of rehearsed the scenes, how mm. we thought they might play out. They never played out the way we thought that they <laughs> were going to play out, but. It was. It was certainly. Was helpful. that Stevens' influence? Or? No, it was just. It was. It was just one of those things. Like we picture how the set's going to look, and we picture where the things are going to be, and then we get there, and it's nothing like that, mm-hmm. which is great because it 
shatters any of the preconceived and, notions we had. And I like the relationship between your <laughs> character and Harry because yeah. it's the system of checks and balances with sure. each other because we see the power struggle. Sure. And then they're tr- always trying to one-up each other. Sure. But I love how it's a nun mm-hmm. and yourself and constantly keeping each other in check. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we in our, in our, in our minds, we kind of deify priests and nuns. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we... Picture them as these, like we said, uh, extra, uh, perfectly holy, perfectly nice, perfectly all of these things. But they're they're individuals, and they have dark sides too. And uh, especially back in that time, when a nun would be in charge of of a certain portion of the hospital, would be in charge of the orphanage, would be in charge of you know the the prenatal care, things mm-hmm. like that. Kind of almost a, a midwifery mm-hmm. um, position. So the her character is, has got a lot of really cool aspects to it. Now, I feel like when when looking at the two of you, I can kind of see what she sees in Cleary, especially at the end of this episode, uh, where she sees a man who can embra- potentially embrace redemption, who mm-hmm. has redemptive qualities and can start to make a slow march towards them. Mm-hmm. I want to know what he sees in her. Well, I think he probably he probably he probably sees her as the road to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, they probably they start out at, at opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and with him being, say, ninety percent dark and ten percent light, and her being ninety percent light and ten percent dark, and over this course of the season, they will get closer and closer together. But how close they get, I guess we'll just have it to see. It seems like he has a sudden attack of compassion. I, I, I was yeah. trying to put my finger on. I feel like that's a good way to describe it. It, it really yeah. it disturbed me how quickly he, uh, Cleary changes positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's so um, he's so nasty to her about this topic, and it clearly sure. really bothers him what's yeah. going on. But then, just this one woman in sure. the ambulance completely colors his vision and changes everything. Yeah, how would you describe that? Well, I think I think yeah, the change does seem can seem a little sudden, but what we are also forgetting sometimes is that he had he took a stand as soon as he found out about her and the abortions Mm -hmm. like he has a line everyone has a line um and he and he was i guess just kind of biding his time to figure out what he was going to do about it um and how he was gonna how he was going to punish her for these things Mm -hmm. or and how he could profit from it of course you know Mm -hmm. i said in, in another interview i think cleary does cleary does good things for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so the whole relationship between the two of them ends up being mutually beneficial. Yeah. Like yeah. he is, he, you know, this partnership will end up probably garnering her some protection, mm-hmm. some support. He gets some money. Women are provided with a service. Um, Everybody wins. So far. Yeah. So far. <laughs> and I think it's interesting how Harriet's the one to call him out first. And, and I love how mm-hmm. your character reciprocates and be like, hey, the, you know, that's that's a two-way street. And you're pretty right. much calling the the pot kettle black right. you know, whatever. Right. What I love about it also is that you've done the research. You're not just, like, laying baseless claims mm-hmm. at her feet. Mm-hmm. You have names mm-hmm. to drop right at her, and she yeah. knows that she's caught. Um, and then also, and I think there's kind of shades of this in that final scene between the two of you in the graveyard, you know, clearly he's, he is an immigrant. Mm -hmm. He is someone who has pulled himself up to the station that he's at. It's not a high station, but it's higher than where he was. Everything has got to pay on some level. 
because he's still in survival mode to survive. Yeah, and I think I think that was I think that was part of it in the writing and the way they told that story is that he he is an immigrant, mm-hmm. and that whole the funeral scene they talk about how the Irish started out digging those mm-hmm. graves. And yeah. Now it's a different group of immigrants, and and I think you know Cleary so far as as we can tell is pretty alone in this world, mm-hmm. and so to see another immigrant. Uh, who had nowhere to go? Yeah, um, die alone is is kind of at least how I sure. played it. Yeah, that struck that chord. Yeah, and so um, so yeah, that's 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 how I yeah. Got yeah. There. And I also saw the humanity uh, within Clary as well because mm-hmm. at the beginning we had the whole rat scene, mm-hmm. which is a very inhumane behavior, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. and then we see him help pray with the nuns. So you do see humanity within mm-hmm. him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a crack in the show. Yeah, yeah. and it's I, I think what you're saying is actually very telling about the immigrant connection yes. because he's had you know countless bodies, mm-hmm. you know, b- basically people on their way to becoming bodies. Sure, this is a, a method of making money. I detach myself from these people. You know, whatever their trouble is, whatever their story is, it's mm-hmm. not me. And he takes them from living to dead. Yeah, that's all he does. I mean, the thing that we the thing that we forget about, uh, or, or that I actually kind of never knew, was if you went to the hospital in the year 1900, mm-hmm. you were going to die. Yeah, like, you weren't going there to be healed. You were going there to be relieved of your pain, or they were going to do some experimental <laughs> procedure on you that who knows. Who knows? Yeah. But most of the time, it was, you were going to die. So mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. a, so the ambulance was almost like a living hearse, mm-hmm. just taking yeah. you to your deathbed, essentially. And those yeah. guys had and and you know the ambulance drivers had no medical training; they were yeah. just horsemen who effectively it's like bodies. it's like a bumbling uh, ferryman across the river sticks. Right. Yeah. Um, and I what I love most about this transformation is the difference in your two scenes um with uh with Jeremy Bob mm-hmm. this week mm-hmm. where uh at the top at the first scene we see him he's returning your carriage after he's obviously <laughs> stolen effing bodies <laughs> from this hospital uh and you know that he's full of crap mm-hmm. but he pays you off and that's fine and you'll keep those horses hitched up for him just in case he wants to steal more mm-hmm. bodies no. uh but then in the second one um, he's definitely he's thinking about doing the exact same thing with this poor woman mm-hmm. who died in childbirth, and you are a brick wall mm-hmm. of resolve. Yeah. Um, he offers to cut you in, you know, fifty fifty, and you don't even say a word to him. You don't even really look at him. You're yeah. Just, yeah. That was an interesting. That was an interesting scene to shoot be, uh, because it's 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 a great example of the collaborative nature on the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Stephen is there, obviously, and then the writers are there every day every scene mm-hmm. and we arrive on set and we rehearse it and then everyone kind of checks in with everybody else to see what we need what we need less of what we need more of and i had a whole interaction with him a whole verbal interaction and steven was like i think you may be saying too much and i was like what if i just don't say anything what if and and the writer's like yeah let's, let's try that and so it's just jeremy kind of uh 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 trying to weasel flopping around yeah. trying yeah. to get some one of it, one of these lines to Connect and then, it, I think it turned out. It I, was I like that. that one turned out really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. really effective. Um, so now we have this uh, this new journey for the two of you, mm-hmm. where y- yeah, it's still for profit, mm-hmm. but ultimately, uh, I think. And tell me, tell me if I'm completely off base. I feel like he's trying to alleviate some of the guilt he has um, for taking part in the business of death. Sure, sure, yeah, and and. As the season goes on, you'll learn some more things about his past that 
that clarify, you know, his, his fascination with, uh, or not fascination, his, his, uh, I guess fascination is a good word for it mm-hmm. with, uh, with Harriet and, and with mm-hmm. especially his distaste for, for religion and things like that. Wonderful. All right. Uh, so uh, we're going to move on, but first I just want to quickly mention iTunes. Folks, uh, you know, I say it every week, and it's only because it's the truth. Uh, the best way that you can support this show and AfterBuzz TV as a whole is to go to iTunes, rate and review the shows that you listen to or that you watch on YouTube. It's the best way for you to support us because these ratings and reviews are the best way for people to find our podcast. It makes them more searchable. It makes it easier for us to attract sponsors and wonderful guests like Chris. Uh, so please rate and review the show. It's also the only way that we know that we're giving you the Nick podcast that you want and deserve. So we appreciate your feedback. It only takes a second. doesn't cost a dime. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So we have this surgery, this much ballyhooed surgery uh, that we were talking about last week, the galvanic procedure um, that uh, Algernon Edwards uh, perfected in France. And, uh, you know, all all of the white men are scrubbing in. Mm-hmm. Um and he comes in, and Thack is like, you know, you can scrub in if you want, but there's nothing to be done. But uh, Algy has this plan in place. He's got his silver wire tucked away. I love that moment where he's like, he's got it coiled around his finger to hide, it, and then he just slips it into his scrubs. And uh, he he gives them just enough direction to start a blood lo- a mm-hmm. blood loss, and then just leaves Gallinger to twist. Yeah, and Gallinger. I feel like he has never felt so neutered and humiliated mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah, the the the, the racial tension. I, I I've never seen it done mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. the the way that they pit those characters against each other is is something else. And that scene, I watched uh, I watched this episode for the first time last night. Yeah, um, I had forgotten about that scene mm-hmm. and and that dialogue that happens after the punch. I I sitting in there was like. Oh, no, yes. no, come on. Like, that scene is incredibly written. Well, yeah. And when Dr. Thackeray says, next time, kick the man instead. Yeah. And, right. like, and then there's what? the laughter and applause oh, from the gallery. The Jesus. And so it's like, foul. the man, yeah. like, I, I mean, I get it, right? Like, he did leave them to twist, but then he saved a man's life sure. with a brand new procedure that had never been done before. Sure. Poo poo. Yeah. But it also shows just, like, the, the environment that they're in, even though, yes, Algernon did save the man's life. It shows that everyone else, even the the superiors sitting, they still encourage you know the the segregation between. Mm-hmm. Well, and we see later in the episode um, where uh, what he's told that there is wrong in everything you do. Mm-hmm. You hurt you, yours harm in everything you do. Yeah. And I have a hard time understanding what that even means. I know where it comes from, right? But how are people justifying the fact that his mere existence is? Harmful. Well, look at look at Gallinger, right? We we talked about it uh, previously. I think it was when when uh, Jack was on the show, um, where he's a here is a guy who he has always had every possible opportunity, and this institution this institution has basically existed for him to rise up within it. Mm-hmm. He is uh, a good looking uh, Anglo Saxon man of intelligence and wealth and great hair and great hair great. Um, who knows who hair. knows enough as a doctor to rise up within a hospital's ranks and here is a guy who may be more gifted than him uh whose very presence is attacking that institution the institution of, of white male of privilege white male yes. privilege what right. 100% yeah. Yeah. um and you know the fact that this guy knows more than him and can do things that he can't is an attack on everyone in that room to them it is basically saying your power is not 
ultimate, you can be disputed by other people. Mm -hmm. What you think about the world is wrong. That's dangerous, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. in 1900. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So we've got all these people in in this scene. We've got Algernon, we've got Thack, we've got Gallinger, we've got Birdie, and they've all got stories to play out this week. And also, may, may I just say, I think, what, first successful surgery in the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's because of Algernon? Yes. <laughs> let's Let's just put a pin in that, yes. yeah, and we'll revisit it later. That's not accidental, yeah. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, so uh, let's, let's, follow, let's follow Dr. Edwards. So uh, he leaves the hospital. He leaves the hospital that day after getting socked in the face uh, by Dr. Gallinger, which you just don't do. A surgeon needs his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he walks outside, and we meet his father, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, the Robertson's uh, coach driver. And uh, uh, Dr. Robinson, or Captain Robinson, sorry, uh, has summoned Algernon to a, a party this evening at his home. And uh, it's just funny, like, thinking about it. Yeah, there's no other way to let him know. I mean, I guess they could have called the hospital, but I don't think anyone would have gone to fetch no. Dr. Edwards to mm-hmm. let him know. But did you, I mean, I sense that feeling, that, like, awkward feeling between Algernon and his dad. Like, yeah. how long has it been since they've seen each other? A sure. while. And mm-hmm. I was also surprised because Dr. Edwards has this affected speech mm-hmm. that he's learned abroad mm-hmm. that I think he uses to elevate his position sure. here. And, you know, the comparison and contrast with his mother and father right. are quite stark. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they seem to; those differences seem to make him uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and he's trying. He's trying. Yeah, he. I mean, he's trying to enter. He's trying to participate in a in a in a, in a world or a society that wants nothing to do with him, mm-hmm. which uh, is almost can almost seem insulting to his parents. Like it almost leaving them behind. Or well, I mean, when you when you don't call and you don't <laughs> write, I would understand why that would be insulting. Sure. And that he's really lost between two worlds mm-hmm. because he's got the family that raised mm-hmm. him and the servants' quarters, if you will, and then his you know traveling internationally and becoming this renowned surgeon. Right. He's not welcome anywhere anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's a very lonely life. He has no group that wants him. Right. And and it's hard because not to jump too far ahead, but when they're at the party and he's interacting with everybody, they're trying to you know assimilate assimilate him into that community but then every I think it's the white supremacy as well they drop certain lines that are read mm-hmm. in Algernon's vision that's like there's you know condescension there yeah. but they didn't mean to Andre Andre Holland every every scene he is in is like an acting lesson for mm-hmm. me he is he is such an incredible actor and he walks he walks a line with this character that I've never seen I've never seen anyone walk before. Yeah. It's really, really fascinating. It's delicate. To watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. delicate how he can you were saying he was such a badass about yeah. how he can have the sense mm-hmm. of humor about being just having mud flung on him essentially at mm-hmm. every corner at He's, this party. What I love about his performance is Algernon Edwards is a man who is very intensely self-controlled. He is somebody who, like, as you said, this affected speech, this manner, he is trying not to get overwhelmed by the emotion of what's flagrant right in front of him. What you were saying, Marissa, about, you know, what people are dropping right in front of him at this party... It's 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 worse than something that's condescending. Mm-hmm. They're talking to him about this stuff as if he wasn't even there, mm-hmm. as if he was, you know, just another white man in the room who right. would find the same things funny. Right. And Especially this, that yeah. free that free labor bit. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, that's are a, you yeah. serious? Oh, that was exactly. killer. But he really amazing. shows yeah. that sense of the male white privilege and and not having any mm-hmm. idea in mm-hmm. their minds, not even a concept yeah. of what his people have gone through. Yeah. That they have personally 
put people through. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not even like it's generations past. Yeah. We yeah. we also meet, for the very first time, uh, we meet the father of uh, Cornelia's husband-to-be, um, who uh, he's got, his whole fortune is in rubber, mm-hmm. um, you know, big, big-time magnate, and he is funding uh, Captain, Robinson's, Captain Robertson's latest ventures on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I mean... Without giving too much away, I imagine we're going to see more of him going forward. He already kind of gives me kind of like a little bit of a creepy vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know what we'll I see think any Philip, further. Philip, the fiancé, that's his name, right, Philip? Yeah. He gives me a creepy vibe. Well, he's very he's dismissive. He's also got great hair. Again, I'm great hair. Say, I'm going to point it out when it's there. But um, Should we just hate everyone who's got great hair on the show? In this show, maybe. Don't mm-hmm. trust him. There's least. kind of, you know, we talked about Banshee, we use the word smarmy. Mm-hmm. I get a smarm factor from him. Okay. He, there's something icky about him. Yeah. And then, I don't know what it is. It is his dismissiveness, but there's something about the way he just he, his energy, and hmm. it's also and I to play the general too because he is male. He has a, a successful business and plan on the West Coast. That to assume that Cornelia is just going to go with him, be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm I'm the you know head of this relationship. You're going to follow whatever I do and mm-hmm. say." And the the belief that she's going to just like drop everything, despite how high a position she already right. is yeah. right, right, right. in New York. Well, well, we get to see that Algernon calls, asks her, like, really? Like, he knows her from childhood. He yeah. knows her, obviously, much better than her fiancé knows yeah, her. Yeah, and he really? knows that she would never want to leave New York. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, Marissa, because you bring that up, the way that he's so dismissive to her. I feel like at this point, 1900, we're heading into the last bastion of, like, the last couple of decades uh, where, or even just the last decade where, uh, your wife was still on some level property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not someone that you conferred with. You make decisions and they deal with it. Right. Um, and we're seeing, you know, this, this crop of modern 20th century women who that's not okay with them. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, I imagine it wasn't okay before, but <laughs> now they're in more of a position to say, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe let's not. Cause I'm, uh, in charge of this massive typhoid investigation. I'm running a hospital. I'm a successful person. I should have a say in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we see that scene of like, oh, you women just love to play with babies. Yeah, that's you all know? we do. <laughs> and that's play just per- with babies. That's just a perfect example of how the women are feeling. And, and another they- guy with great hair. Yes. Douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We have a hair to douche correlation here. Yeah, there's a, there's a great <laughs> hair to douche ratio that I think is very unfavorable. You're in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the clear. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let, let's talk about, uh, Cornelia for a second. Or actually, no, let's, let's finish up Algernon and we'll jump on Cornelia. So, um, one of the great things that comes out of this party, though, is, uh, he, he's drawn to the attention of rubber, and we get to see for the first time what rubber tubing could do, potentially, mm-hmm. medically, because we've got this hand-cranked suction that, frankly, doesn't work very well, mm-hmm. and is a little disturbing. We've got these glass, these glass bottles that we fill up with blood, and it's mm-hmm. very sloppy and not great, and we're expending all this energy, and all of a sudden, we've just got, imagine the very first time you see a vacuum, and that's mm-hmm. never been seen before. Right. And I love moments like this on this show mm-hmm. because you don't realize how dramatic that is. Like the phonograph moment as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. Just, we're watching history be made. Mm-hmm. Thomas Edison was in the show. He was in yeah. it for a second, <laughs> but he was there. He was there. We know he's knocking around. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah, it's we'll interesting see to see the things that we yeah that we that we take for granted. 
I mean, everything in the sh- everything in the show is brand new. The yeah. C-section, the all of the procedures are brand new. All of the technology is brand new. All of the 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 uh, any kind of medical has has very recently been done by barbers mm-hmm. or mm. or people who were who were uh, trained in the military because the Civil War is only three four decades behind. Right. Yeah, um, or uh, uh, previous. Um, so. So everything is brand new, and I think we take that for granted. And I, no one would ever have thought, like, oh, when was the first vacuum? I wonder. I wonder when that started. I wonder when that was. Right. No, it's just yeah. it's something I have in the closet no. that I yeah. use. No, but it just it just goes to show how sharp he is. That he mm-hmm. immediately sees a medical application sure. for this. Sure. Um, and he's willing to spend the money to do it, even if it may never see the light of day. Uh, among his white peers, he's going to be on the forefront of medical mm-hmm. research, even if no one will listen to him. Mm-hmm. Because that's who Robertson he is. Robertson kind of puts that thought in his head, too, of mm-hmm. saying, like, listen, there's a lot of opportunity for someone who's young and enterprising. He may not, you know, Dr. Yeah. Edwards may not have taken that exactly the same way. I feel like he was, like, trying to say, like, you know, you could someday, you know, with your doctor's salary, buy a company and be the first Negro who owns a rubber company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like, but I felt like, you know, what Dr. Edwards got out of it was like, oh, new technology. Perfect. Gonna, exactly. Yeah. A little side note, too, that when he was looking for the plug mm-hmm. you, you noticed the mm-hmm. the it's like a it's like a bulb like a socket bulb. Yeah. and and most of the electrical things were were screwed into a light bulb socket they didn't have the prong huh the prong outlets the only outlet the only outlets were where light bulbs were so you would take the light bulb out oh, wow. and plug in your vacuum and use it like that that's so neat yeah. that's great we'll find out later too i don't think we see any but but they had a they had a big um, uh, Sears catalog on set mm-hmm. that was a prop and it was accurate like every page was 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 uh, full of products and you could buy anything you could buy anything you wanted in the Sears and Robot catalog and I didn't know this the first automobiles were electric really the first cars were electric you plugged them into the wall just like you plugged in a vacuum and charged a battery huh yeah fascinating. We could talk Every about the, we could talk about the gas lobby and how it's completely changed the course <laughs> of history, yeah. but that's for another time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, pardon me. Let's talk about Cornelia and Inspector Spates mm-hmm. uh, and their ongoing quest to discover uh, the source of this typhoid fever infection in the upper crusty parts of New York. <laughs> um, and like Spate is just such. A weasel, and like <laughs> I, it's again. I hate it, but I love it. Um, and he's okay, being. Wait, is our hair? Is our hair a theory applies here? No, because he's he, he falls doesn't... in the category of like of less hair. Of less hair. <laughs> I love that he's a weasel. Not great hair, you dick. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's ultimately he is trying to do something good. He's on just, somewhere. on some level, yeah. he just wants to wet his beak and feel like a big shot while he does it. Because mm-hmm. how many times does he get to feel that way? Right. Not often. Not a lot. So yeah. he's trying to put Cornelia in her place as well. Uh, yeah. That whole like, scene, the, uh, the, the three of them playing back and forth with the with the ice cream and mm-hmm. the, and the mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the peach the, melba. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that wasn't cooked, was it? I've forgotten myself. <laughs> so good. Yeah. But it just shows all the, the lengths that he will go to just to have a woman outprove him that this typhoid, um, this, you know, outcome, this outbreak of the typhoid that, like, he's so willing to be the person on top. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. He, lo- he loves it because, again, 
he doesn't get to feel that way very often. Right. He has this badge that he very rarely gets to exercise with people who consider themselves above him. Right. And he's going to knock this woman down a peg, even though she's grieving her husband and daughter that she lost mere days ago. Uh, it's just like, it's just wrong place, wrong time, pal. He seems to be lacking a little bit of that compassion. He doesn't part. have any tact or compassion. No, no, he doesn't seem to care. I mean, he wants to get to the bottom of, you know, the issue of mm-hmm. the typhoid fever outbreak in this neighborhood, but doesn't really seem to matter how. No, yeah. it, goes, it goes back It goes back to the time period, too. It's a hard place. People, they were hard people. Yeah. Like, most everyone. were. It was just... Everyone's dying, everyone's struggling. This is where the stereotype of the hard-edged, you know, New Yorker Mm. doesn't care about anybody. Mm. That's where it comes from. Mm. Because you had to be that way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they go through this line of questioning and and this, this poor woman is like catering to them like the perfect, uh, the perfect host with the coffee and the peach melba. Um, but ultimately they don't discover much. Um, but now there's three cases, three cases in upper crusty families, uh, with typhoid and they're continuing this search and I, I assume it's going to continue for the next couple of episodes. We'll check in on that next week. All right. So, uh, Dr. Thackeray, uh, he's been avoiding checking in on Abigail, his former love, uh, and seeing how her nose is healing after that skin graft, uh, last week. And Nurse Elkins, his weak spot, is, uh, is nudging him. Just uh, you know, just go check in on her. Uh, check in on her. She says you've been avoiding her. He's like, she said that. <laughs> um, you know, like a like a kid in junior high. Mm-hmm. And I love these flashbacks. I hope we get more of yeah. them. But we got to see them in the good times, and we got to see how she loved him. But at the same time, they were wrong for each other because he is wild, and He's especially an entertainer and excessive partier. Like at mm-hmm. any, I mean, I mean, it was Christmas. It was, it was very self destructive. Yeah, already. Yeah, he just wants to drink himself to excess with Dr. Christensen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love this moment, you know, uh, Clive Owen's recitation uh, of this uh, this piece about this Native American uh, that he'd learned in third grade mm-hmm. was very theatrical mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very fun. Um, and I love the way that this scene is shot where it, just, it remains, and a lot of scenes actually this episode, were remaining on one side of the conversation until until the turn, until necessary, where you don't need to see both people, you don't need to cross cut, you don't need to waste time. So we we focus on her and we get to see how her attitude changes over the course mm-hmm. of just this like two minutes in her life with mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. where she's happy to be there, but she's not being included. No one's paying attention to her, and uh, it's about to go from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. If they leave this hospital and get drunk somewhere else, God knows where they'll end up. Right. Um, so she pleads with them, let's end the night now. Um, and uh, they all walk out together. And also I think we've all been in that situation where you maybe don't partake as much as the people that you're with. And yes. there's this pressure of come come to our side, join our side, you know, get wasted with us, you know, or you're a stick in the mud. Yeah. And that's really hard when you want to stand up for yourself and go, well, I'm who I am. Mm-hmm. Love me for who I am is essentially what I felt like she was saying. Yeah. And she she wasn't getting what she needed. And, and, right. and also it shows the, the vast difference that Thackeray used to be when Abby was in his mm-hmm. life because he was very outgoing. He had friends. He had a, he was in a relationship. And now now we see nothing like that. He's completely more introverted and he doesn't he keeps to himself. So it's a completely change. He ends up atoning atoning for his sins or attempting to atone for his mm-hmm. sins and yeah. in, in by by going to excess in the in the uh, in the medical field, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I love about this sequence is it illustrates 
Um, she's very much in the depths of self-pity over what's happened to her, um, you know, because of this marriage, because of who she chose. And she said, we should have stayed together. And he very rightly, and I think it's a very mature thing, says, no, you did the right thing to leave me. You just picked the wrong man. Right. And I, I think it's interesting to know that he has that much clarity about his own life, considering the excesses to which he goes to to remain sane, to do what he does. Uh, and it, it's it's one of the very compelling things about this guy is like he's not someone who's in denial. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows that he is ultimately poisoning his body. I mean, granted, at that point, no one thought that cocaine was poisonous, but trying to get off it and realizing what it did to him mm-hmm. then, he's got to know on some level he's pretty much doomed. It's it's yeah. a, it's at the at the the dawn of. Realizing that addiction mm-hmm. is an actual is a thing yeah. right. is is another thing that has been discovered. Yeah, um, I also love this moment where uh, where she says he says you know there are all these other doctors in the city you could have seen. She's like I know it wasn't fair that I came to you. He's like oh no we're well past fair. He's admit he's like he's sticking up for himself in his money. He's like no you know that this was screwed up to do this and to have me see you this way and to come here after you left like. Come on. Mm-hmm. But also, I think he was also speaking to her past fair. Like, look what's happened to you. Like, you didn't just. That's true. You, never, mm-hmm. you didn't deserve this. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing fair in this world, is yeah. kind of what I feel like he was saying. Like, I that's, agree with that. You know, let's let p- get away of the kitty dreams of yeah. things yeah. being fair. Yeah. We all made choices and we have to deal with the, the outcome. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, on the other side of the coin, we've got Nurse Elkins, who is pushing him to come out of his mm-hmm. shell and to be more human and to be more loving. And she wants to know where he goes at night. Um, so she takes a little <laughs> trip uh, on on her bicycle, and she follows him down to Chinatown, and she sees uh, what he does with his evenings. Uh, you know, passed out in the arms of uh, of this l- lovely Asian woman who's taking very good care of him with his jade bowl, beautiful pipe. Um, <laughs> and uh, she gets out of there, and it's interesting. I, the performance is so very it's so very muted mm-hmm. and it, like purposefully mm-hmm. because this is a woman who. Uh, she doesn't really let a lot out uh, on the surface. So she's still fascinated by this guy. She's not disgusted. On some level, I don't know that she yet understands, but she wants to understand. Mm-hmm. She really wants to understand because she appreciates what he's doing and she thinks there's so much good in him. She wants to know why he's pushing himself to these limits. Why did he wind up in that situation where I had to inject liquid cocaine into his penis? Um, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. That. Well, it's just I like, do. it's, it's like, a situation. Yeah, how did we yeah. get here? We it's get like the here? talking head song. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where is my beautiful house? Where is my beautiful <laughs> wife? She is sitting in the ward with her f- arm up mm-hmm. to her face. Uh, because she lost her nose. I wanted you to share the fun fact about uh, the bicycle. Oh yeah. Trip. Oh yeah. I just I recently learned this from from Jack, and mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know, but uh, uh, Eve uh, Eve Nurse, Houston, Nurse who plays is, Nurse Elkins, yeah, yeah. Um, had uh, never learned to ride a bike, and so when the bike came on set, one of our one of our crew guys took some time and taught her how to ride a bike. So we see that scene of her riding in the mud, which couldn't mm-hmm. have been too fun either. So, yeah. For one of the first times. Yeah, for one of the first times. How romantic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you got to love learning to ride a bike on that beautiful set. Mm-hmm. Right around, riding around the streets in New York. Yeah. That must be that so was, much fun. That uh, was in Bed-Stuy. The, the exterior of the hospital is a, a public school that's oh, wow. been around for a very long time. And they just cover up the public school sign with a Knickerbocker sign. And then the entire... Um, 
ambulance shelter is a set that they built on to the side of the school. Hmm. Um, and we, I think we shot down there for maybe two or three weeks for, for all that stuff. But it was amazing to, to turn the corner on a New York street and they just put gravel down on the roads, um, alter some of the facades of the buildings. And it was, and it was like, it was like going back in time. There. The production yeah. value on, on, on it's incredible. everything it's incredible. is pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I love the authenticity because it feels like New York is really a character in and of mm-hmm. itself, especially back in that time. It really yeah. adds to the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the tone of the show. Yeah. And once again, I mean, I, I say it every week, but it, it's because it's so dramatic. It's the juxtaposition of this really intense, in-depth grounding of place combined with the very modern shooting techniques mm-hmm. and score mm-hmm. that really make this such a unique watch. Yeah, he shoots it. You know, the the, the interesting thing, I, I've watched a couple of Stevens' uh, past projects kind mm-hmm. of like trying to identify um, a style and he has he has abandoned not abandoned he he has moved away from everything he's done mm-hmm. in in other films and has decided to shoot this in a completely different way that's very like documentary style yeah. and what ends up happening is i realized last night after watching it was like it's such a prim and proper world the the clean hospital the top hats all of these things mm-hmm. but it's shot it's shot like a documentary, so yeah. it makes it, it 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 humanizes all of the characters in a way that that you know something like like Downton Abbey mm-hmm. still kind of uh, idolizes the characters mm-hmm. a little bit with the way they shoot it, and it's and it's still and it's, it's trying to capture it's, the beauty. It's, it's very classical. Yeah, and this is trying to catch the dirty, yeah. the, the ugly. Yeah, and and it does the and the humanity yeah. feel to it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, but a lot of a lot of film filmmakers would just take their style and just apply it to every mm-hmm. to every project. But Stephen, if you watch his stuff, he figures out what style goes best with mm-hmm. that project and completely changes his his way of shooting things. It's really it's and that's really, really impressive. true storytelling. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, interesting bit, and maybe I'm just kind of reading a little too much into it. I like where we end this episode. With uh, Dr. Thackeray getting in the coach, going back to Chinatown, and we see Nurse Elkins on that bike, and we wonder, is she going to follow him down there again? You know, is she going to try to stop him? Is she going to try to talk to him about it? And instead, she heads in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. She accepts he is who and what he is, but that doesn't mean she's not fascinated. And Mm -hmm. we're going to continue to see that evolve over time. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about Gallinger, uh, who suffered a pretty nasty defeat at the hands of Dr. Edwards early in the episode and used his hands to try yeah. to get the upper hand but instead he was dealt a bad hand I'm going to stop saying the word <laughs> hand before I drive everyone insane you got to um, hand it to him yeah <laughs> truly he didn't handle it well yeah <laughs> he's very so good, good. Um, yeah. Eric Johnson is, yeah. is the actor and he's, he's an amazing uh, Canadian actor he's really stellar yeah he's really great yeah um, so obviously this is a guy whose ego has been badly bruised. I mean, ever since Dr. Edwards came on the scene, mm-hmm. he's been he's been hurting. Sure. Um, and his wife worships him, mm-hmm. worships the ground that he walks on. He is the greatest doctor mm-hmm. who has ever lived and ever will live. And Dr. Thackeray, I mean, he's in charge, but my husband, he's going to be the one to blow this medicine thing <laughs> wide open. Right. When we haven't really seen him do anything, anything at all. 
anything. No. Mm-hmm. He really seems to have zero qualifications. He's good at reading charts. He's good at reading That's charts. That's all we've really seen. And then Dr. Edwards horns in on the reading chart turf, and he's not going to have it. This is the one thing <laughs> I have left. This is what left. I do best. Yeah. <laughs> With impunity. I read the charts. I read the charts. You, you do the surgeries that are successful. I mean, it's, it's, it, he plays he plays such a such an entitled person, and it's mm-hmm. fun to watch. It's fun to watch a character who has never been told no. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get, He's like a toddler. Get told no for yeah. Right? Get told no for the first time, and also effectively be the first guy to be told no in this way, mm-hmm. in this field, yeah. in this hospital. Yeah. And it's a it's a pretty big no. And the way that he continues to frame it to his wife, he's like, "Well, you know, he's up." doing his dirty tricks again and eventually he's gonna be caught he's gonna be found out and I'm gonna be back on top don't you worry that bastard honey oh (laughs) she doesn't listen come here and it's part of that white male privilege that we've been talking about but he doesn't seem to feel like he has to earn anything at all everything it should just be handed to him on a golden pillow Mm. or whatever yeah Um, because he's got great hair but Bertie's not like that no you know and that's also the thing because with Dr. Edwards he's you know, having Gallinger and Edwards, the Edwards affects Gallinger's position more so than does Bertie mm-hmm. or Thackeray because having Edwards in pretty much makes Gallinger obsolete yeah. Why and redundant. Why right. should Gallinger even be there? Yeah. Right. Um, it's interesting because you watch Gallinger evolve over these episodes and we get this moment in the second episode where his wife takes the photo of him and he sticks his tongue out and it's like so so beautifully humanizing but at the same time it kind of makes you realize, like, how seriously does this guy take this job and take, or like, anything. forwarding medicine? Because every other example we've seen of him is just being slighted and being upset that the, that life isn't the way that he wants it to be. Thus far, he's pretty self-involved. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that change over time, but I feel like we need more evidence that that's even sure. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned, Marissa, you mentioned Birdie, who has nothing but respect for the profession mm-hmm. and for everyone that he works with. He's the only person who's like, you know, like, well, yeah, Dr. Edwards. I mean, he is, an, he is you know, a Negro, but, I mean, he does have some interesting ideas. Is. I mean, maybe we could, maybe and Ask him? right. He, yeah. I mean, he's the youngest, so maybe he's also you know the most open to like new ideas and to to integration. Exactly. Um, and we also get to see where he comes from. Right. And uh, his father, Doctor uh, Doctor uh, Bertram Chickering Senior, very different personality, mm-hmm. and not the kind that you would think would raise someone so open minded and, and so sweet. Yes, and sweet. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and in this last episode, you see him playing the the game with his sister, mm-hmm. and and. and that was the first time that I really questioned in the whole time shooting, wait, how old is this guy? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just occurred to me. I was like, oh, he's, I, I mean, I knew he, he is a young man, but yeah. I was like, how young is he? And he might, he could, he could be 22, 23. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah the, that was an interesting um, scene with him playing the game with his sister. Yeah. yeah like still living with his family mm-hmm. that he's yeah. still connected yeah. in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, he's effectively an apprentice. I mean, how old do you have to be to yeah. grow that full of a beard? I mean, yeah. maybe 21, 22, yeah. your first good one. Um, <laughs> he's got a great mustache, he's got too. got a great one, man. Yeah. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. Some of the mustaches are, are, are real and some are fake, but uh, Michael Angarano grows a mean mustache. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, going out to you, Michael. That goes out to you, Michael Angarano. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he, uh, he kind of gets interrogated by his mm-hmm. father, who's very, uh, disapproving of his son's choice 
to work at the Knickerbocker. Sure. Um, because in his mind, medicine is this, you know, elegant profession for gentlemen. You know, I did everything that I had to do to get into a position where my son, who carries my namesake, mm-hmm. could do exactly what I do with, you know, other white men and upstanding parts of this field, you know, where we're not messing right. around with bodies and trying new things and, you know, this perversion that is surgery. And that scene is also, it's the first time we see someone of the higher class um, kind of speak down on the Knickerbocker. Yeah. And it's kind of the first scene where we realize, oh, maybe this is a second class uh, hospital. Mm-hmm. For, you know, we look back and we see the wonderful operating room and the, and the fancy people and the, and, the, and the nice offices and the wood. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, that must be like a really nice hospital. But the Nick... Throughout its history, it was ne- not really um, considered top of the line medical care. Well, and Cornelia, Cornelia says in the party that those people make up ninety percent of our patients. Right, yeah. right. right. and it's uh, it's a contemporary with Bellevue Hospital, which mm-hmm. was also uh, uh, operating at the time. That was considered kind of a higher class place, which I think I think is 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 the hospital that that Cleary and Pouncey are stealing the patient. From mm-hmm. I think that I think that ambulance was a was a Bellevue ambulance, but yeah, uh, and it's also the, one of the hospitals that uh, that Barrow is selling bodies to mm-hmm. um, because they in Columbia are, are giving way more money. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this also there's a, another conversation in the episode, and, and forgive me for for not remembering who's discussing it, but that basically um, that uh, you know several rich people, you know Mr. Vanderbilt and Mr. Robertson, lived down in the neighborhood where the Nick is before they all moved uptown, right. and uh, it became the bad part of town. It used to be right. you know this good hospital, but now even though they're doing something so dramatic, you know all of this uh, surgical advancement, trying to improve medicine, everyone looks down upon it mm-hmm. because it's in the wrong part of town and they're operating right. on the wrong kind of people. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting that the, we were given a, a book by Stephen to read called Low Life that mm-hmm. was essentially a, a book that that explains the development of New York City. Mm-hmm. And New York City grew like this, like this weird plant and it just slowly moved north. Yeah. And everything, New York started everything below Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Wall Street's called Wall Street because it was a wall. That, that separated the city from the Native Americans who lived on the northern half of the of Manhattan, what is now Manhattan. But the the city just as it grew went moved further and further north, taking over uh, uh, farmlands and things like that. And the the poor and the rich would leapfrog each other, mm-hmm. pushing pushing the boundaries of the city further and further up. But the uh, leaving leaving the downtown area to kind of. Into, to, yeah. to crumble into yeah. squalor. In squalor yeah. yeah, that's so fascinating. It is yeah. fascinating. It's a, it's, New York City is a, is a is a weird place when you look at it mm-hmm. like a living thing yeah, because it, it's it it the way it developed over that those that hundred years from like eighteen fifty to nineteen fifty mm-hmm. is is pretty incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So. Uh, Bertie's father really dresses him down at the end. And I, I love the way that this scene is shot because it's rare that you see a sequence shot with that little light without mm-hmm. any kind of boost, without any kind of like key light to try to make it look better. No, this is what it looked like. The city was that dark at mm-hmm. night and mm-hmm. the sun was setting. And um, his father basically in no certain uh, uncertain terms is like, you disrespect yourself and you disrespect my name by not only letting them call you Birdie, you encourage it. Mm-hmm. You like that these people treat you like some kind of pet. Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to be an extension of me 
for why else did I give everything that I've given to have a son? Mm-hmm. If he's going to just knock around with this pervert, rich, reaching around and grabbing women's hearts as they die. Dad of the year. Yeah, truly. He does talk about the Nick as the asylum, right? Yeah. He refers to it the asylum, right. and I was thinking about how one man's asylum is another man's circus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about perspective. It's also situation. another man's hospital, right? Yeah. And it also just shows that Chick Chickering Senior, he really demanded everything, and you know, he worked hard to be in the position in superior position that he is, and therefore he expects his son to do the same, but he's not. So it's like you have to demand and actually command other people to show that yeah, respect. Yeah. And then what's, I mean, I'm curious to see what's going to happen if, if this sort of uh, continued disrespect leads uh, Birdie to be kicked out or something. Or, you know, you know so- uh, hardens some of that soft side with, that we love so much. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be happening so far, yeah. though. I hope not. So soft and All right, uh, we're kind of <laughs> running out of time, yeah. so we should jump to predictions. All right. <laughs> And now, you're after Buzz TV. Prediction. What do you think of her flashing Caesar lights? I like them. You like them? <laughs> Good. Uh, so, uh, I've, I've watched the next couple of episodes, so I'm gonna kinda bow out of this discussion, but Marissa and Oriana, what do you think is gonna happen next week? What's going on for the rest of the season? What do you think? I really like how we're seeing Elkins always peer in on Thackeray and his, you know, well-being and all the things that he's doing when he's not at the Nick. So I, I wanna see Thackeray you know, really just go on this downward spiral. We see it. Mm-hmm. But I want to see Elkins be the one, be that savior, and actually help him mm-hmm. clean up. Uh, okay. Hopefully, I mean, I'm predicting that she's going to be the one, like, no, I know how bad he can get. I'm going to be the one that's going to help him. Okay. Oriana, what oh, do you think? Wow. Um, I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out with Cornelia and Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not going to go quietly at all. And Algernon is her friend. I feel like he... They have this some kind of bond that we don't you know we don't know everything about it, but it seems like he would be willing to come to her aid to figure out a way to get what she wants and not have to not have to go you know to the west coast. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out and also what Doctor Edwards is going to do with his new vacuum. All right, fantastic, uh, Chris. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for it's having really me. been a real pleasure. Now before the show, uh, I believe it was mentioned that you you do music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where what uh, is the name of your band? Where can people find it? Uh, I have a band called Sully and the Benevolent Folk. Um, you can find uh, our first album uh, at benevolentfolk.com. Okay. And uh, anything else you want people to keep an eye out for? Uh, um, TV, stage, film? Not at the moment. Things okay. are in the works, but uh, we can't talk about them yet. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, you're at uh, Sully at Play? Uh, or? I'm Sully Acts Up. Sully, Sully Acts, Acts Up. A-C-T-S-U-P. Okay. Thank you so much, man. All right. All right. Uh, Marissa, where can the people find you? Everyone can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at, at TV. Okay, and Oriana. On Instagram, I'm Oriana Leo. Twitter, Miss Oriana Leo. Find me on Facebook too, Oriana Leo Official. And I'll be uh, covering the Killing season finale and series finale tonight as well. Okay, fantastic. And folks, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M A T T L I E B E R M A N. You can also find all my videos for SourceFed and SourceFed Nerd on YouTube. We just won uh, a Streamy Award for Best News Show. So if you're into if you're into some news with a heaping side of comedy, you could maybe check that out. I'm also doing a bunch shows here at After Buzz TV. Uh, Doctor Who, Ray Donovan, The Strain. I've got Sons of Anarchy starting this week. Bunch of good stuff. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week. Good night. 
from executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.